0: This is the Art of Living Well Radio Network. Radio to inspire enlightened living. You're listening now to the Honest to God series with Anne Rose and Ahanu.
1: have a wonderful conversation today once again we have our favorite penny kelly coming on with us today ahano but more importantly ahano it is our anniversary today
2: that's right and what a great day it is too and it's, it's very significant for anybody who might be into numbers because for anybody who's been listening to us in the past you will know that we are what's known as twelve six twins and so on the 12th of june that was a twelve six. But today is the 15th of June, and the numbers add up to 5 and 1 is 6. It's a 6-6 six, six or a 12-6. So this day is very, very significant for us. And furthermore, there are power spots all over the world, and we actually got married on one of those power spots in Ireland called the Hill of Tara. And many of you who would be familiar with those, that old movie, Gone with the Wind, will know of Tara And so this is big drama, this is the twins of old, this is great stuff that's happening and we are delighted to be here, really genuinely delighted to be here today talking to you from San Diego, which to us is our power spot for the moment. But we've got a power person coming on today and as Engel Rose, that's our favorite Penny Kelly. Now we've had Penny on several times discussing consciousness and energy, and her work with Dr. Levengood on crop circles. And she spoke also about bovine incisions, her encounter with the elves of Lily Hill Farm, and of course her book of that name, which we've read and we read to our grandchild, which is absolutely fascinating. She opened a learning center at Lily Hill Farm in Lawton, And for those of you that may have missed those past episodes, here's a tiny little update about Penny. She's a writer, a teacher, a consultant, a speaker, publisher, and a naturopathic physician. She has been researching and exploring consciousness, cognition, perception, and intelligence for over 30 years. And she's written six books of her own, while at the same time she publishes books on the subjects of spirituality and health for others. She has shared with us, Her experiences of consciousness and the growth of awareness. But today, we're going to focus on something that is really, really gripping the subject of dreams and whether Jesus actually ever really existed or not. So, this is going to be one rocker of a program.
1: I don't know, Ahana. We'll probably better be careful with that topic. We'll be having burning crosses on our lawn (laughs) and all sorts of things by the time we get done. But, no, it is a very important conversation to have, actually, and we'll be looking forward to getting into that. But do we have any announcements first, Ahano?
2: We have some very exciting announcements. You all know, of course, about our 8 Steps to Freedom program. That's 8 Steps to Freedom, it's all hyphenated. Eight Steps to com. Angel Rose's book, A Time of Change, is really getting out there, and you can get a copy of that at at timeofchange.info. That's all one word, at timeofchange.info. Her new book, which she's working away feverishly on, even as we speak, The Nature of Reality, you can actually pre order that at the info. That's all one word. And then, of course, Every Sunday morning, we have our free group Akashic Records online, 10 a.m. Pacific time, every Sunday. So to get to get hooked into that and to listen in free and get your questions answered, go to worldofempowerment.com. That's all one word, worldofempowerment.com. And you'll be able to register there to get hold of uh, that actual program start tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. Pacific time. Now, we're also on iTunes, and these programs that we do on Sunday mornings are available on CD Baby. You have to search for either Angel Rose or Ahanu. Now, I've got more great news, and that is that Angel Rose actually has decided to teach a psychic laser therapy for practitioners. And this is a program that is starting in San Diego on July 13th and 14th. And you can get more information about that by contacting us at angelrose.com. So when I mention Angel Rose, do take care of the spelling. It's the Irish word for angel, A-I-N-G-E-A-L-R-O-S-E.com. I'm going to be teaching a spirit art class in San Diego, also in July. God, she really got me to commit to these dates, but that's going to be a humdinger. It absolutely always is for adults and children, really fantastic visionary art, exploring a consciousness and all of that great stuff. And you will be able to find out more information about that as soon as I get it posted online, of course, at ahanu.com, A-H-O-N-U.com. Meantime, just email us at angelrose at angelrose.com. Now, the final announcement is that due to popular demand, Angel Rose will be teaching people how to read the Akashic Records in an exclusive training that will take place in either August or September. Now, this has been really demanded by people all over the world. Do you want to give a little bit of an outline of what you'll be doing with that, Angelos?
1: Well, first they'll be learning how to read their own records, and of course there'll be an in-depth discussion about the records themselves and what they are and their benefits and how they can help each person. So it will be probably done in different levels. The first will be, again, how to read your own records. The next will be how to read others. And then further, how to get, in, get into more of the deep historical records that are out there that have to do with cosmic and world events and other topics that we actually go into on Sundays.
2: Great. Now, we are going to cover so much today that we're not going to go into any more of these announcements, even though we do have a lot going on. I did mention earlier that uh, Penny Kelly's Learning Center in southwest Michigan called Lily Hill Farm and Learning Center, and there she teaches courses in developing the gift of intuition getting well again naturally organic gardening i'm going to go through a tiny little bit of her bio here just so that we don't have to ask her these questions online and we can go straight into the subject of today which is really dreams and jesus penny has been researching and exploring consciousness and intelligence for 30 years she worked with william Levingood a biophysicist of Pinelandia Laboratory near Ann Arbor in Michigan. And she's been deeply involved also in community gardening efforts. She has her own small publishing company called Kelly Networks that publishes books on the subjects of spirituality and health. She holds a degree in humanistic studies from Wayne State University and a degree in naturopathic medicine from Clayton College in Birmingham. She maintains a large counseling practice, works as a consultant to schools and corporations, Raises organic vegetables, cows and chickens. She lives and writes in Lawton, Michigan. And she's a mother of four children, has co-written 14 books with others, and has written six books of her own, many of which we've, I think actually we've almost read all of them at this point in time. The Evolving Human, The Elves of Lily Hill Farm, Robes, A Book of Coming Changes, Getting Well Again Naturally, From the Soil to the Stomach, Consciousness and Energy Volume 1, which is about multidimensionality and a theory of consciousness, and Consciousness and Energy Volume 2, about new worlds of energy. These are absolutely fascinating books, and you can actually get hold of these at her website, pennykelly.com. Let's have Penny Kelly on right now.
1: Good morning, Penny.
3: Are you there? Yes, I am. Good morning. Good morning. So glad to be with you again today. Yes, hey, and happy anniversary.
1: Oh, thanks, thanks. That's our second marriage. You know, we got married twice, once in the U.S. and and once in Ireland. (laughs) Very nice. Anyway. (laughs) Okay, well, Um, let's let's get started. Um, First of all, do you have any of your own announcements that you would like to share with the audience before we get into our conversation?
3: um, I think probably the only thing that I would say is that I have – Uh, On my website and in numerous conversations with people who have called um, have said, when are you teaching, when are you teaching? And I am actually moving now to being able to teach online. Um, Signed up yesterday for some of the final pieces and uh, I'm putting dates together. So it's coming. It's coming. (laughs) So check my website.
1: Okay. That will be exciting. And I know I'll be signing up for some of her classes, Ahano. I was just perusing your website last night looking for what was coming up.
3: (laughs) Okay. Let's get started. Okay. Yeah. Let's get started because I think the conversation today is really, um, it probably needs to be handled with great care. (laughs) I think so so too. (laughs) Yeah. But I I still think it's important. I do too. So should we tackle the
1: subject of Of Jesus first or dreams?
3: Let's do dreams first because it leads right into a question that comes up when you tackle the Jesus questions. Okay. So what would you like to tell us first
1: about dreams? What have you discovered about dreams?
3: Um, I think probably if it's so simple, it's hard to get. So if you go back to... um, Let's just say that there's a a premise, a foundation, and that premise is that consciousness is the feeling aspect of energy and energy is the motion aspect of consciousness. So there you have consciousness and energy being the two sides of one coin. You can't have energy without consciousness and you can't have consciousness without energy. Okay? Okay. So now it is the nature of consciousness to create and when it does so it uses the energetic motion the capacity for motion to do so so you've got this this inherent and almost I shouldn't say almost it is an unstoppable force that is creating constantly so now Let's say we have people, you and I, and we are conscious, energetic beings. And we have gotten into this habit of going to sleep. The more you take up a, what I'm going to call, you know, a human body, the more that you are, let's say it this way, the the less energy you have, the more important it becomes to have a sleep period every day. So, the you know, we go to bed and we close our eyes and we are not paying attention to anything in the world, but the need to create a reality continues. Just because the body needs to sleep doesn't mean that the consciousness sleeps. When I was in the early stages of Kundalini, those first two or three years, there was no sleep. When consciousness is awake, you are awake 100% of the time. You can't drop into that familiar mindlessness, you know, that ease. And and you're forced to deal with the fact that you are awake all the time, and you're forced to deal with what are you doing with this awakeness. So when you sleep, you get a, a break from that. But consciousness itself continues to create, and that is what the dreams are. They are the um, creations of consciousness. When you're not focused here in this world, when the body has withdrawn from the everyday and you're no longer eating, drinking, you know, talking to people, going to work, driving, all of those things, what happens is that consciousness, which is creating your reality, and you are a participant in any given reality that you choose to focus on. So now you've got this amazing capacity to create, and that's exactly what it does. And if you train yourself to remember your dreams and you start writing those down, which I did, I started in 1979. Um, and and trained myself to pay attention to what was happening in my dreams. Then as you, at first I didn't do anything with them, I just wrote them down. But after I had several notebooks full of dreams, I thought, what am I doing with all this? What is the point of all of this? So I I was going to throw them away, and then I thought, no, let's, you know, my... My early teachers would have been horrified. They never said what to do with them, and so I started uh, reading. I thought, let me just go back to the first dream, and it, it took me such a long time. It was a couple of months. Every night I gave myself instructions, I will remember my dreams, and I would sit on the edge of the bed with pen in hand and my dream notebook right there on my lap. And I would imagine, you know, remembering the dream and writing down all the details. And, you know, for two months every morning I'd get up and it would be like, nope, nothing. Nope, nothing. And then finally one morning I woke up and I thought, I know I was dreaming. I don't know what it was, but I know I was dreaming. And so I just reaffirmed the fact, you know, that I knew I had been dreaming. And then finally I had my first dream. And I wrote my very first dream, Date and time and the, the dream was something about the color brown. And that was the whole dream. <laughs> and that was all I could remember. But it was a start. It was the first time that I actually recalled a piece or you know, I had a clear perception of something. And that I think was uh maybe in October and uh by January. I was that opened the door. By January, I was recording, you know, four or five full-page-length dreams every single day. It took a lot of time, and I would just record them and put them in the notebook and go away. Well, when I went back to to read those, I began to understand something that I call the language of energy. And I began to see that the dreams were a perfect expression of my capacity to create. And I, I realized at that point that you create consistently through all of your experiences, through all the dimensions of your being. You're not an angel in one and a saint in the other. You're not, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You're just going to create in a way that is pretty darn consistent.
2: so, and so Kim, as are, we say, creating, are we creating negative stuff then if we're having a bad dream, or say a nightmare, for example?
3: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what we're doing is expressing, or uh, yeah, I guess that's the best way to say it. We're expressing what we feel inside of us. We're expressing what we feel coming at us all bad dreams are really just when we come face-to-face with something we don't want to face. It's just that simple. Yeah. The and nightmare is, is scary only because we don't want to deal with it.
2: Yeah. And is it literal, though? Because many of the books you would read about dreams, they all say this represents that or this means the next thing. Are you saying that in that unconscious state, we're actually creating literally?
3: We are creating literally. We do have many other dimensions uh, of reality that we participate in, that we have helped create in other mm, dimensions of of existence. And they don't always flow in the same way that things flow here. But um, they flow pretty well, and, and I think they flow even much better than we think they do. So let me give you an example of how it may seem that they don't make any sense or they don't flow very well. Let's say that um, uh, you know you're peeking in on on your own life, okay. And let's say that one day you're driving down the expressway and the windows open and the music is playing and you're singing along, etc. It's just one little scenario, one little bit of life. And then, you know, let's say that for two weeks you don't peek in and, um, and then all of a sudden you, you happen to take a look, um, at the life again and now you're at the beach and you're laying in the sun and you're slathering yourself with lotion and going swimming in the ocean and et cetera. And then the next time you happen to peek in, you're in an office and you're working on something. The next time maybe you're mowing the grass or you're trimming the flowers, etc. You don't see, unless you're living that experience, unless you're literally in it, you don't see how it all fits together. It just looks like, a bunch of, you know, gobbledygook and, and what does all this mean and, and what does it, you know, why would it be so disjointed? It's all, that's how dreams appear because quite often when we do remember a given dream, we're seeing it from the point of view of somebody who's coming in and just in it for that one evening we're not seeing generally unless you really study it you don't see the continuity in that dream you don't see how things flow Um, and so what i discovered as i was researching dreams was that we do have great continuity in some of our dream states they're very sequential they follow the laws of cause and effect they are you know our attempts to um, live out some of our fantasies, some of our dreams um, in other dimensions. Some of them are pretty boring, (laughs) but um, they all flow together pretty well. So what the bottom line comes down to is that you're creating every single minute, and when something bores you, you leave and go elsewhere in your imagination, to something that is more exciting. And you'll have a little daydream or you'll have a little momentary mental jig-jog or whatever you want to call it, and um, or something will trigger, somebody will say something and it will trigger a thought and you'll take that thought and build on it. That's consciousness needing to create mm-hmm. and using every uh, instigation or every inspiration that it can to take off and do something that is exciting to the soul.
0: Now,
2: if the consciousness is creating all of the time, I can understand how we can have some kind of conscious control of that during the day. In other words, if you have a negative thought, you can always say, no, 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 I'm going to think something else instead. And you have some measure of control over it. But you're saying that during a dream, we have no control over it at all, that the, the mind just goes off and creates and it, it may not be such a good thing. Am I understanding you correctly?
3: Uh, um, yes and no. That is the common perception, that you don't have any control. But when you develop the capacity to manage consciousness, then you have just as much control in the dream states as you do in some of the other states, in, in this one, and maybe even more because maybe you're less inhibited in that dream state than you are here now in this reality. So when I um was when I got into really studying my dreams, I began to see the value of them. I began to see the predictive qualities of them. I began to see that they revealed me without any uh, reluctance. I mean, there was nothing hidden. And and I, I realized at some point in there that if I could pay attention in the dream, maybe I could make the dream go a little bit differently. And I would know I was in a dream state, so therefore I would be a little bit less inhibited by the rules of everyday reality. And here's the thing. If you can do it in a dream... It transfers to all of the other lives, including this one, instantly, instantly and immediately. So I got to the point where I could have a dream, wake up within the dream, uh, memorize everything that was happening in that dream, change what I wanted because uh, based on the interpretation of what I understood was happening in that dream, I could shift it and have a different outcome, go back to sleep and give myself directions to have the next dream. And I would do that all night long. And then in the morning I would so, write it all down. So, Penny, let me ask you, though,
1: since we have all these other selves that are doing these things in other dimensions, who's the original?
0: How do you know what's the
1: dominant
3: self? Would it be us here? Yes. For for all intents and purposes, it's you here. But you here doesn't necessarily mean that there's just you here because you are a little bit different with your mother-in-law than you are with your children and a little bit different with your husband and a little bit different with your boss and a little bit different with your neighbor and the, you know, the clerk at the grocery store. We have all these different energy configurations and we are very fluid and very dynamic. And we shift ourselves to be able to mesh well, at at least if we have any kind of common sense, we learn to shift ourselves so that we get Along with other people. And when you're not very good at shifting yourself, your energetic configuration, then life can be difficult, you know, and, and you can get angry and you can be vengeful and you can say it's not fair and have a tantrum. But it is what you, you get to choose your, um, actions and you get to choose whether or not you want to create or whether you just want to react. And it's the same word, C R E A T E and react is R E A C T. So, you know, you just change the configuration of the word and you get a whole different kind of of, you know, power.
2: Yes. Now, you have a you have a wonderful way of explaining this kind of thing. And you also have a wonderful way of understanding it and interpreting it and you did mention about writing down your dreams and understanding them now what happens though penny if you don't interpret the dream correctly in other words we're using our 3d waking consciousness to try and understand something that went on during the night in a different dimension what happens if we misunderstand that does the waking consciousness then create the (laughs) the misunderstanding
3: Yes, it will. <laughs> so, and um let me say this, dreams are are true at all levels. And so the interpretation can be not as good, one interpretation can be not as good as another, but still have some elements of truth to it. And so they're all useful. What um I would say in response to your question though, is that every single person has within themselves a library of words to which they have attached very definite meanings. So, you know, if um, let's use a bad word for a minute. Let's just say somebody calls you a bitch. You know, if you're talking about a female dog, that's a common word. But if a husband is calling his wife that, that doesn't feel good. And so the wife, if she has that word in her library and she has a meaning attached to it that says, if somebody calls you this, it means you are, you know, you've been insulted. You are less than what you should be or could be, et cetera. And so the... Um, you know, the the wife then reacts, responds in such a way that feels hurt, that expresses anger, perhaps, you know, maybe she does body language and throws something at him or whatever. Um, it, you know, all of that is just an example of how we have these libraries of meaning within us. Spiritual development is to study your own library. And the meanings that you have attached to various words and actions. And to begin to re-decide, do I want to have that reaction when that word is spoken? Do I want to have that reaction when that action is taken? And so that becomes then, uh, this, this entire library is what I call the, um, the language of energy. So now let's go back and tap into consciousness is energy. And energy is consciousness in motion. So now we have these sounds, these words. We'll use words as our example here. And those sounds and those words are uh, you use those and your thoughts you use those to construct a reality. And so that's that reality then reflects the energetics of the consciousness that created it. So your life is a reflection of the consciousness that created it. And and I want to make a really strong point here. When you're first born, you come in to a certain set of parents in order to subject yourself to their interpretations of life and to force yourself... In a, a very basic way to be programmed differently. So, you know, you choose your parents based on the desire for a certain kind of programming, either because it gives you the gift of, you know, some kind of understanding, or it, it gives you, it forces you to overcome an obstacle that you have been unable to overcome in the past. So now we have this huge, um, library of experiences that we accumulate. We've attached meaning to all those. And we use those words in a dream to create. We use those feelings and those motions to create another reality when we're creating a dream. And so everything in the dream is going to be based on your library of consciousness and energy. And when you begin to see and understand that you know certain words in a dream indicate you know certain things for instance um you can begin to to understand your dream in a very very clear and powerful way so i very often no. tell people don't tell me your dreams unless you want me to see inside your
2: soul right. so so, is everything in the dream you, then? In other words, Angela Rose often says to me, I dreamt about you last night having sex with somebody else. Is, is she... <laughs> I have to bring that up.
3: <laughs>
2: that's a good one. No. That's
1: an excellent example. Yeah. Can you explain... it quite often, Petty Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't okay.
2: experience it, though she does.
3: It, well, that's too bad, Hanno. <laughs> but... Um, What I would say
1: is,
3: (laughs) (laughs) okay, so when you have a dream about your husband, your beloved other, and he's making love to some other woman, that's an indication that you are that other woman. If you and, and Angel have a committed sexual relationship between the two of you, and she was absolutely the same all the time, every day, never changed, never shifted, then, you know, it, it would be somewhat impossible, A, and boring, B. So what we do as women and as men is we shift who we are when we come to the bedroom. Sometimes we're lazy lovers. Sometimes we're wild lovers. Sometimes we're crazy lovers. And that we then dream about the different aspects of ourselves that we want to unite with. Having sex is uniting with, coming together with, or union with. And so there's an aspect of... Yourself, Uh Ahanu, that is coming together with whatever the aspect of a woman is. Sometimes it's someone you know. Sometimes it's someone you don't like. Sometimes it's, um, you know, just another version of yourself or the person is always a symbol of yourself. So you look at the woman, so Fangale's having the dream, she would look at the woman that she saw you having sex with and she would say, who is that woman? What was she like? You know, what were her intentions? And how did that make me feel? And that way she can explore and experiment with different ways of A, not only making love with you, but different ways of joining with you. Different possibilities for union and for being able to affect one another, because that's what we come here to do, is affect one another deeply. And there's no getting away from that. So having sex is really, um, it's a whole interview all by itself. There's just a ton of miscommunication, misperception about sex. You know, why is there sex? What is that whole thing? And very few people have explored that in any kind of depth. And so, like I said, that's just a whole other conversation, but... It, that that whole thing um, around sexuality, when we have sex and dreams, or, or make love in dreams, it indicates that there's a portion of ourself that is like that other woman, or like that you know, or we are making love to um, you know somebody. And it's, you know, whoever we're making love to is somebody that has some qualities that we want to come into union with. They may be good, they might be bad. (laughs) You know, people have good streaks and they have bad streaks. Um, Or they judge themselves to have bad streaks. It's really all good. But um, really and truly, that's just the process of becoming whole and holy. Okay? So really... But really, Penny, it
1: is true then that we create every single thing that we experience. Yeah.
0: Is that,
3: is that right? Yep. It, yes, and and we aren't the only ones creating. If you are raised in a family, your family has created. And so you have taken on that creation. You're not the only creator. That is the thing to keep in mind. You know, people get all upset. Um, you know, about somebody else's creation when they are neglecting their own power to create, yep.
1: mhm, I understand that, yep,
3: yeah, but we really are we, even if we're not creating a darn thing, let's say we're only reacting to everything, then you're still choosing what your reaction is going to be. You're still choosing a certain point of view, a certain kind of response. You're, cho- you're choosing a certain feeling state. Um, those are things, it's hard to change your feeling state so um, because it's a chemical change that has to happen. Um, so there's a lot of, I'm going to say, just general basic ignorance about the body-mind system and how it operates and what's important, et cetera, and especially when well, let it comes me to go, consciousness. Okay, let me go back to
1: that a minute because it is a question I do want to ask you. Mm-hmm. I want to know why does the body get tired in the first place?
3: Because it's a body. <laughs> um, unless the body is being fed by light, it is going to get tired because in order to get the frequencies into the body that will help maintain its existence, you will have to put in all sorts of extra garbage. So when you eat a, a steak dinner or an apple or a salad or drink a glass of milk or, you know, or let's just say some of the other crap that is not even food, factory food, um Nothing in it for rebuilding bodies. The body will maintain itself in peak condition if it doesn't have too much buildup of toxic waste or too many interfering frequencies. And so when that condition, when toxins begin to build up or waste begins to build up, then we begin to feel awful. So you know even even just the colon if you don't empty the colon on a regular basis you'll have headaches um you know nothing is more you know irritating than to be having this niggling headache around the edges of your your eyes or your you know in your sinuses etc um i think most people don't know what it feels like to feel good and to feel the incredible Energy and bounce and zing of being completely cleaned out in terms of liver, um, kidneys, blood, you know, lymph, etc., and to have a system in good mm. shape.
2: And why wouldn't somebody manifest that for themselves, Penny? And um, even in the dream state, well, why wouldn't somebody or humanity in general manifest the perfect body or the perfect environment?
3: You know, <laughs> that's a good question, Ohano. I don't know. People make their choices um when they're here, they have a body. Um very often they get into what I call eating habits. Um there are so many food fads that are, you know, that have overtaken us, a lot of disinformation that has been dumped on us uh over the last 30, 40 years. And people, I discovered when I became a naturopathic physician, people are what they eat. And when you try to change what they eat, they get crabby. When you try to tell them they're not eating the right thing, they don't want to hear it. They want what they want. Their food is their comfort. And so we are a long way from living on light and returning To light bodies and you know frankly i have some questions about whether we need to do that here at this level or not you're we're here in a time-based system to learn lessons and to change ourselves at the core if we're doing that we're doing well
2: and i mean that leads to the question of why do we need a body in the first place if if our aspiration is to be in spirit and I mean, I know we're in a way we're moving away from dreams, but yet it's all part of the same thing. You know, what's the purpose of the body at all, then?
3: Because it drives home the ouchies that force us to change, the hurts and the sorrows that force us to look at the world differently, that force us to let go of certain ideas and certain habits, etc. Um, you know, for instance. My father smoked all of his life. He died when he was sixty nine maybe about a month short of seventy uh from congestive heart failure and you know lungs that just weren't working anymore et cetera so about oh i'm gonna say seven eight years after that after the death, I was out of the body down in Cancun and doing some work down there on somebody that was sick and that I had said I would do healing work with. And after I was done, I thought, let me just walk on the beach a little bit before I go back to the body because the water down there is is, uh, amazing. (laughs) And so it was twilight. It was just getting dark, and I walked along, and um, I saw this figure coming toward me. I didn't really look at it. It was you know, getting closer and closer. I still didn't look at it. I walked past it, and all of a sudden I heard my father's voice from right, you know, behind me say, Penny Lou. <laughs> and he was the only one who ever called me that. And I turned, and and there he was. And, you know, it was just this big old hug and homecoming. And he said, I'm coming back. I will be back in about a year and a half. I'm going to be born to your niece I will, I think I'm going to be a boy, and I may have something wrong with me. And I, you know, that was the gist of the messages in the conversation, not the whole conversation, but I said to him, Oh, Dad, don't do that. Don't burden the world with somebody else who doesn't feel well. And he was holding a cigarette, <laughs> and he said, What am I going to do about this? This is what I have been unable to give up and this has killed me the last 5 lifetimes. And I was so shocked. I was like, "Oh wow, we never had these kinds of conversations." So, you know, long story short, um I begged him and I promised him. I said, "Don't come back ill. I, you know, if you're coming back, I'll be watching. Uh, you know, let me try to influence your mother." such that she uh, does the right things or says the right things and and let's just stay in contact so that you can be guided toward good health without having the impetus of a poorly working body and so we kind of made that agreement and then sure enough you know nine months later nobody knew about the you know except my mother and my sister and i about this visit and and my niece gets pregnant and gives birth to a baby boy, and, and my God, it looks just like my dad. So <laughs> he looks just like my dad. Wow. And so yes. we're watching now to see, can we influence him in such a way that he doesn't get caught up with cigarettes? And yes. um, they don't smoke in the family, and that is a big um, factor. So we'll right. see.
2: Right. Yeah, that's amazing. We,
3: yeah, we just have these bodies that we are here to force us to learn with. And with enough love and enough support and enough sense of humor, we can make amazing changes, amazing. And yes, we yes, yes. can then turn or become a body of light without having any um what are called impurities in the energy system. Yes, so, yes. you know, we're getting there.
2: Well, now, speaking of body of light, we want to take a little studio break here and come back and speak about the body of light of Jesus Christ. So do bear with us. Let us remind our listeners that we're speaking with Penny Kelly. Penny can be contacted at pennykelly.com, p e n n y k e l l y You're listening to Angel Rose and Ahanu on the Honest to God series. And we'll be right back after this break.
0: This is the Art of Living Well Radio Network. Radio to inspire enlightened living. The Honest to God Series with Ann Gail Rose and Ahanu.
1: All right, we're back again with our wonderful guest, Penny Kelly. Penny, let me ask you then, in the context that we're talking, you know, mm-hmm. what's your thoughts about eating meat?
3: Um, you, have to, you have to look at the whole person and where they're at. I eat meat. I eat meat because my DNA requires that I have some meat. If you are raised in the in the Arctic, you do not have any enzymes for digesting fruits and vegetables. You're a meat eater, you're a fat eater, and if you go to a vegetable and fruit diet, you will die. You will not be at your optimum if you don't die. If you are raised in the jungle where you are raised on a few fruits and vegetables and nuts etc and you start eating a lot of meat you will get sick. So the the point is you have to eat in such a way that your DNA which is triggered into action by certain frequencies that that DNA and those enzymes that you can produce can digest what you put in you. And so the whole controversy around meat is for the beginners in spirituality is first you get healthy by eating what you have to eat. Once you get healthy, you can then think about or explore moving beyond eating meat to other kinds of things, shifting yourself. Your chemistry is the result of your energetic body. And so I tell people, just, you know, first get healthy. First eat what will nurture your physical self. That's the most important thing. If you can't last long enough to learn anything spiritual, then what was the point of the spiritual diet? It's useless it's a destructive element instead of something that is better, you know or something that is healthier, et cetera so having said that, there comes a point when consciousness expands and and we aren't there yet, we are not there as a people, not even close um there but there comes a point that you do not want to eat meat because you are so aware of the presence of that animal. And so at that point, you can stop eating meat. You can, um, you know, find other alternatives, etc. So it depends on this combination of how healthy are you really and how vibrant is that health. When I say health, I, I don't mean that you're this weak, sickly, quiet doormat who doesn't have too many obvious problems but doesn't have enough energy to, you know, to take on something that needs to be taken on in your community, for instance. So, you know, it's a it's a, a scale, a graduated scale that you move along and, you know, and, and I – I'm moving quickly now toward being very, very reluctant to eat meat. I will eat it and be, be very humble when I realize that I'm needing it, but I am also highly conscious that these were other consciousnesses that, you know, were alive and doing well. And, you know, yeah, so if, how when
1: do, I do... How do, kn- <clears throat> Go ahead. how do you know, though, Penny, if you should be a meat eater or if you're... If you you know, your internal self wants to be a vegetarian, for example. I mean, you know, I'm diabetic, as okay. you know, and, uh, you know, I've been going to a naturopath, and she took me off all grains. Oh, that's and,
3: probably good.
0: <clears throat> yeah,
1: and I did notice a difference right away, I, it, yeah. an incredible difference. And the thing is, is, you know, I was raised on pasta, my dad was Italian.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: uh, that was difficult to give up. <laughs> And, of course, you know, every now and then I want a nice, you know, sweet roll or something. So that's it's been hard. But Mm -hmm. I do have to say that I started eating more meat because it was more protein-based and cooked vegetables and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I felt better immediately. But, you know, my consciousness does go to the place where I am aware that it's a conscious being And I do feel bad that I'm eating it. So I kind of have this internal conflict with the fact that my body seems to want that type of protein, and yet my consciousness would love to just be able to live off color and light.
3: (laughs) Yeah, well, (laughs) ditto for me. (laughs) Yeah, I think um, one of the things that I would respond to in your statement there, you said I feel bad when I eat it. I do not feel bad what I make sure I do is express how grateful I am that that animal is there feeding me. It's like, you know, I'm sorry that you ended up on my plate. At the same time, I I want to make sure that your giving up of your life was worth it to you. That's really important. So, you know, for me it's like, come on in. Bring your consciousness into mine, and let's transform one another. That helps. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, I have
3: done that before as well. Okay. Um,
1: you, you know, Ahano's, Ahano's choosing to be predominantly uh, vegetarian, but you know, I do notice that it doesn't really entirely work for his body, even though he wants to insist that it does, but. Um, he's eating a lot of carbs. He's gaining weight. So to me, that means that that doesn't entirely work. But I think mm-hmm. he has the conflict with animals as well. You know the I whole know. thing about yeah. So a typical. lot of us
3: do. Yeah. And you know I just tell people hold that conflict, hold it and let it keep resolving itself. That's a major piece in our development, and we can't shy away from that. And we can't just make a an arbitrary imposed decision. You have to honor everything. And the first thing you honor is the fact that you exist in a body. That's your temple. So that's where you honor. And you just try to make sure that all those animals that are being sacrificed to feed us, um, the ones that come to you are just celebrated. It's just, you know, the least that we can do.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that. All right, go ahead. Hannah wants to comment here or move into the Jesus okay. conversation. Just a second.
2: Yeah, I really do want to fit this in because uh, the subject of Jesus, the, there seems to be not a single shred of evidence that he ever really existed. How do we explain the visions and the miracles and the, the energy that is palpable in our world today of the presence of Jesus?
3: Uh, Uh Uh-huh, no, that's just a perfect question. (laughs) So,
2: um,
3: okay, there isn't any evidence that Jesus ever existed, none, not a shred, just like you said. And there is, in fact, a history of thousands of years of Jesus's and Joshuas that existed over, you know, India, through India, all throughout, you know, Asia and down into Persia. And Egypt and et cetera. And they had various cults at different times, you know, Osiris and Adonis and Tote and Seth and and Abraham and uh, da 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 da. Um, All of those have been, you know, sort of adapted in this time. And when I started to study this, you know, it was it was because I got a hold of a book that was by a Russian uh, author, Dr. Anatoly Fomenko, and he wrote a series of eight books called uh, "History, Science, or Fiction." And what he says is the entire history of the Western world that is based on the Roman Catholic church calendar and stories of jesus etc is fiction and you know and this guy has really done his homework and so i i got a hold of the first book and i bought the books because i thought who does this guy think he is saying there was no such thing as jesus and that the the you know the, the greeks and the the Egyptians were much closer to us in history than than the historian time or the historical timeline indicates, and so I was going to debunk his book. I was going to read it and come up with all sorts of arguments and statements that pointed out the flaws in his thinking and his reasoning, etc. And what a shock! <laughs> I bought the first book and I. I started reading it, and within the, within the first book, I have the first two books in the series of eight. And by the time I finished the first book, I thought, wow, this guy is top-notch. This guy, just like me, has worked and has studied and has put stuff together, has ate it and slept it and, you know, walked it and breathed it for 35 years. And he basically has a whole team of scientists and mathematicians who have said there isn't anything that lines up. And that, you know, to me, that explained why the Catholic Church has been so secretive about any of the documents, the early documents. It explains why, you know, there's so much that was stolen and put into the the library down in the library dungeons where nobody would ever find them again. Um mm. you know the whole history of the church um turns out is just based on a power grab um and you know and, and then I came across another book called the Christ conspiracy the greatest story ever sold and yes. I thought oh that sounds interesting. So I started reading that and thought, oh, wow, she's really putting the icing on the cake because she goes back through time to track the actual beginnings of what today is called Christianity. And it goes back thousands of years, and it's all based on the worship of the sun. And I thought, how could we have been so primitive? How could we have been so foolish? But then as I was thinking about that, it's like, well, let's say that I was living in a cave, and when the sun wasn't up, there was no light. And when the fire wasn't going, there was no heat. And when, you know, winter was here, if you're living in a winter zone, there's no fruit on the trees, and there's nothing growing. And so, you know, you begin to understand the incredible celebration of the ancient peoples who what you what you learn is that jesus Joshua Osiris, Adonis, you know all of those ancient zoroaster ancient um, you know people who were not really people, they were titles that were given to the sun in gratitude mm-hmm. well, for the the fact that the sun reappeared little, every day
2: a little interesting little side note We many of our listeners will know that we spent last weekend in Mexico at my son's wedding and oh. the, there's a cathedral there in the city of Moralia that apparently has the largest organ in all of South America and I think perhaps the largest cathedral in Mexico, I'm not really sure about that fact but certainly huh. And it's an absolutely marvelous piece of architecture. And it is, a, it is an example of the wealth of the church because it's, it's, its interior is just embellished with gold and all kinds of wonderful, wonderful decor and stained glass windows and so on. But on the outside, though, Penny, emblazoned, a huge on each corner of the steeples is the symbol of the sun. That has Mm -hmm. been where the center is turned into either a clock face or a stained glass window. But it's a hue on all all faces facing in four directions. And uh, now this reminds me, of course, of how Christianity basically took these concepts and molded them and melded them into uh, to, to, to appease the. The, uh, the non-believers or the ancient cultures to try right. and uh, sneak Christianity in, into their belief system. Now, it really, Ohano,
3: they just they just stole all of those concepts and said, "You will now believe that Jesus was a historical being." And they murdered everybody who said, "No, he wasn't." You're just talking yes. about the old myths. So, yes. yeah, it's a yes. it's a concoction that they put together. No.
2: You, you You introduced us to this uh, statement, apparently that Pope Leo X made uh, sometime in the sixteen hundreds when he, ex- he said the fable of Jesus Christ has been very profitable for the church uh, can you Can you give us a little bit of the history of that or you know was, did he really say that and what 's the significance of that statement?
3: Yeah, a, a little bit. I'm I'm not an expert in this subject and and I have, you know, as I've studied it over the last few years, I've just been blown away because it collapsed my whole framework <laughs> of living. Um and I also want to say I did not answer your question completely the first one you asked about how do we explain the miracles etc. So we're going to come back to that, okay? But um the uh Pope Leo in the I think it uh, I'm not even sure what, what year he lived in, but the church was going through a terrible period of challenge. Everybody knew that there was no historical Jesus back then. And there was a, a, a huge amount of argument, um, you know, that, where the church, um, there's a, there's a quite a bit of evidence that, um, scholars, and academicians and professors and all of the learned men and women of society were being persecuted. And um, the church, the Catholic church, insisted on Jesus, you know, they just picked one of the Jesuses They said, you will believe that he was a historical being. You know, you will believe that he did these things, etc. And... Um, you know, this argument was raging back and forth, and it was Pope Leo who who finally said, look, the fable of Jesus Christ has been very profitable. And it was at that moment the greedy among them said, you know, you're right. Um, you know, maybe we should just let this be. And they were after power, but it was money that they ended up... Um, really liking and really going after, and the church is very, very wealthy even to this day. Um, it, they were recognizing and, and have gone to great efforts to squelch any kind of information that might reveal the fact that it's all a fiction and that this is just a continuation of the ancient sun-worshipping cults. And, you know, when I realized that, it just... I think I got sick for a day. <laughs> was like, Yeah, Penny,
1: oh. yeah, and before you go we go into the miracles, I want to just address that piece for a second because you know, I'm sure you've heard of Santos Bonacci. Have you heard of Santos?
3: No. Uh-huh. Who's that? Santos well, Santos
1: Benacci is is awesome. He's he's also done a lot of research into this topic and he oh. basically traces all the religions back to the sun worship and also through the movement through the zodiac. Yep, okay. That's right. Yep. Okay, so <laughs> he's fascinating with that and but here's my question. Obviously people do have visions of Jesus. Uh, people do experience some being that they call Jesus coming to them and healing them. There's been all sorts of miracles, so that that's one thing, and and I'm kind of leaning toward the fact that maybe we've created that being ourselves with our consciousness. But the other thing I wanted to um, Ingo, <laughs> yeah, the it. other thing I wanted to yeah, ask so. about all this is, is is there anything beyond the sun? In other words, when I found that out, I found myself thinking. Is that all there was? We just worship the sun, and, the, and it's all about the zodiac and our solar system. Is there no other divine intelligence out there besides the sun? I mean, I felt very.
3: Um, if you collapse, uh, I, I felt limited
1: by that. You know what I'm saying?
3: Yeah, I do. I certainly do. So, yeah. What are well, your thoughts he, about all that? <laughs> I when when my whole Christian framework collapsed. Um, last year. And at the same time, I was studying the controversy around Carlos Castaneda because I had been a Toltec for 30 years. Um, And I realized that Castaneda had made up some of the information in his books. That whole framework collapsed. And both within two weeks of one another, um, everything that had underpinned all of my consciousness, my research, my work just kind of fell apart. And what I was left with was my own experience. And I started to go back and recount the things that I had experienced and right from the initial kundalini onward. And I thought, okay, you know, there may have been an ancient sun-worshiping cult, And there may, and it may have, and it does line up beautifully with the astrological calendar, and you know the various houses, et cetera, um, all of that. But the fact of the matter remains that there is still this thing called Kundalini. There is still this thing called consciousness and energy. There are—I've had innumerable um, experiences that cannot be explained. And so what it what it comes down to is the fact that we are incredibly powerful and we just keep creating crap and settling for crap over and over and over. And if we could get focused on what do we have to do to train that consciousness and develop it just like a muscle would be developed, you know, that a weightlifter um, does. I think the sky is the limit for us as people. I've seen Jesus. I've talked with Jesus. I've danced with Jesus. I have had numerous times when I have turned to him and said, but what about, but I need help. Hey, I think, you know, that, whatever. And And he's always there. Somebody is always there. So when you get a planet full of people who for 2,000 years or maybe 6,000 years have been focusing on this, you know, incredible being, this worship that has been worshipped for, you know, years as being full of light and power and, you know, plus um I think some of the secret teachings which were never, Part of what I'm going to call the common people. It was the only part of the information held by the priesthood, the potential that certain, you know, that humans had for certain kinds of awakenings and awarenesses. I think some of that leaked into the population and kind of came together with their worship of the sun. And so we have this conglomeration today that is called Christianity. And that is, has an incredibly bloody and miserable history of lies and forgery. Turns out everything is, was forged. So, um, the all of that aside, there's still this kernel in the center of all that, say, that says, you know, that I have to say, what was that whole Kundalini thing? You know, there was, there wasn't any Christianity in that. <laughs> And that was the farthest thing from Christian teachings that I could have even ever imagined. What about all the out-of-body experiences? What about the miracles that I myself have triggered, either accidentally or on purpose, and been shocked as all get out that it actually, you know, someone was healed? It's like, oh my God, they're doing well, and and things like that. We are incredibly powerful people. We have to have. Some kind of structure to our world, to our, to our reality system. We are coming to the end of this age. We are—I think we're at the end. If not already in the next age, and I think there's going to be an entirely new set of teachings, an entirely new worldview that is based on something a little closer to the truth, and that actually lets go of all of that, uh, I'm going to call it uh, cult worship, which is really what many of the religions were and still are. Um, You know, people brainwashed into believing this, that, or whatever, um, and not really examining things. And one of the, I just have to make this little aside, one of the things that I came across as I was studying the history of the church was that in the early days and I started to allude to it, Um, the learned people, the scholars, the priests, etc., they were very, very educated, they were very wise in many, many ways. The great popularity of Christianity in the beginning was that it said to the common man, You are just as smart and just as powerful as all those priests and scholars. You don't listen to them. They're not telling you the truth. You just believe. You just have this blind faith. And what it did was take all of the ignorant and the unschooled and the unlearned and the unsuccessful and give them something to hang on to that made them powerful and that then you know gave them something that they could say i'm doing it right i'm i'm going to heaven you know and the whole idea that you know the reward would come after you were dead not while you were living all of that combined to make a um you know what was called an ignorant man's religion or an ignorant man's cult um, and and so all of the reasoning and all of the wisdom and all of the truth, a lot of the truth that was in the original teachings from that descended from the ancient solar cults, was lost, and it was all you know became this whole personified historical. There was a man. He did these things. He said these things. You know, the Sermon on the Mount goes back thousands, hundreds of years before. Jesus even came around before Christianity even started. Um, you know think what I think, think there I mean years ago, I remember watching this
1: video called "The Naked Truth," and mm. it was a it was a video about proving and showing how eighteen other times in history prior to the birth of Jesus, there was the same exact stories through all these different yeah. religions. You're right. All of them, all of them had a, a you know, supposedly a, a child that was a virgin birth. That was the mother yep. was always a name that was a derivative of Mary. There was yep. also a crucifixion and an ascension. So, let me ask you this archetypally though, do you mm-hmm. think these stories are actually, you know, really point to an inward journey of of ascension or freeing us from all these dogmas and beliefs, because ultimately what we're really talking about is the fact that we're all free, that if you take away Mm -hmm. all this programming and all these beliefs and all this religious doctrine, and you understand that we have a creative fire inside of us that is unlimited in its ability to create and become aware then, really, what it's saying is every single one of us is completely free.
3: That's right. That's right. We're completely free. We are completely, uh, powerful in our ability to create. We're creating constantly without being aware of what we're doing. And, and then we don't, we don't have that inner authority that the Little Man in Brown Robes talked about to be able to look at our creation and say, eh, That's not good. Let's change it. Um, We're waiting to be told what to do, what to think, when to make a change, what's okay, what's not okay. And that, you know, so it's up to each individual person to wake up just like you're talking and, and to see their own freedom and to begin to create something different. And when you get enough people doing that, the reality system makes a change. And, um, and yes, there can be some disjointedness and some difficulties and all of that. But, um, you know, the results are really, I, I think we're moving to something that's absolutely beautiful and phenomenal and exciting and new and, you know, that, um, moves us past those old solar cult worship, um, you know, trailings or leavings. And um, that moves us into becoming bodies of light, you know, beings of wisdom, um, conscious creators, etc. You know, a
1: few years back before I wrote the first book, I think we were in Ireland, we were doing a group and someone had asked the question, wanted to know what source thought of the Vatican. Wow. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Wow. The answer came back, and source said it was an abomination, and it, wow. it did go on to it did go on to say it was because they have lied about Jesus, and they have kept secrets about Jesus's life, uh, yeah. and I just didn't have the nerve to put it in my first book because I thought it was a bit too controversial. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, but that was the word. It was. It's an abomination. You know, is what how source described the Vatican.
3: Wow. <laughs> Yeah. I could uh, never figure out why they were so paranoid. And, you know, it's just been in the last couple of years I thought, oh, that's why. They don't want anyone to know the truth. And I think, you know, reasonable people, especially once you read and study, when you see the truth and you begin to understand, oh, Okay, you're left with, okay, now what? <laughs> and there's where all of the potential is. It's looking forward, not looking back. I'm hoping that we will begin to look forward and keep the pieces that are of value our ability to create a miracle, our ability to travel out of body, our ability to know all of that. You know, I think there's some stuff in some of those ancient sayings. That's based on truth. And, you know, if I take all of my experiences and put them together and draw conclusions, they aren't too far from the, quote, teachings of Jesus. (laughs) So it's like, okay, so, you know, we can't, we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but let's, you know, understand the whole truth.
2: Now, give us the name of that author again. You, you mentioned very quickly, Anatoly Somenko, I think. Or so, yeah, like his that.
3: his last name is F as in Frank, O-M-E-N-K-O. Somenko. Somenko. Uh, Anatoly and, fomenko Yeah.
2: Okay. All right, because that, that might be a very useful book, for a uh, series of books for people to get hold of. Now. It is, let Let's, me tell just you. simply remind our listeners that we're speaking with Penny Kelly, and we've had Penny Kelly on a few times before, and as always, there's never enough time to cover all the amazing <laughs> issues that we, we bring up and that she speaks about, and consciousness and so on, but one of the things that I'd love for you to try to tie together for us now as we move into the last like five or six minutes of our program today, Penny, to, uh, tying The subject of dreams to the second half of our program where we spoke about Jesus and the the fable of Jesus and so on can you connect those two for us
3: I think I can do some connecting the uh, I think the thing that is most important to understand is that we are um, in a reality system that we are creating and there's quite a few of us here now that we're all creating together So we've got this amazing consciousness, and we're using it to create a reality. And and when the when the energy of that feels good, then you know you know you're on track, etc. So if if you're creating the whole thing, and this is just the reality here in this at this level is just another one of the many dimensions that we are creating at. So let's just say that there's an understanding deep, deep within us that we have this incredible power to create at a very high level. And let's just for uh, talking purposes say that that high-level being is a Christ. So we are all, everybody in the spiritual movement, uh, looking to see how do I get up there? How do I get to that body of light? How do I begin to understand the truth and get free of whatever the garbage is and um you know and reach that um capacity that is built into my system and I think that's where we have to leave it is that's what that's the work that we're doing right now there's a lot of I think, a lot of useless dogma in the spiritual New Age movement right now. And, you know, we need to get past a lot of that dogma and get to the reality and the truth of, of you know, of what the system offers. And what it offers is a chance to become an eternal being of light that moves past death. If we can get there... If we can train ourselves, if we can open ourselves to the truth, if we can practice, I think that's a very worthy goal as a civilization and so, as we look at what's coming apart in the old paradigm, yeah we can we may have to uh we call that hospice that we may have to support that a little bit, we may have to deal with that um it's kind of like when you have an an old one, you know, when your your parents get very old and now all of a sudden you're feeding them, you're clothing them, you're giving them a shower, they're giving you a hard time because they don't want any of it, and, you know, they can't hear, so it's hard to have a conversation. They can't see, they can't sit still long enough because their bones are too uncomfortable, so they don't want to read. You know, nothing's working. So we are at that point with this old paradigm in which it's like... You know, dealing with parents that are just not functioning well anymore, and we are at the same time having to build a new. Um, I would encourage people to keep their eye on the higher consciousness and the new paradigm and to begin practicing those things that would that they would want to see and experience in that new paradigm that there will become there will get, we will get to a point of critical mass and at that point we can kind of roll over into that new paradigm almost painlessly and make it work and I think it will work for probably another 26,000 years. It increases for 13,000 years and then it begins to deteriorate for the last 13,000. So we are at the point of final disintegration of the old paradigm moving now into the new and hopefully coming to an understanding of what you know what our potential is and how to make that work for us okay that's fantastic and
1: i just have one other little thought here that goes through my mind it's like once you once we overcome death as a civilization and we become those light beings and we're free to move about, then what do we do after that? I mean, is there another whole system, do you think? Yeah, there is. Is it never ending? I mean, do you ever get to
3: an ultimate goal? Well, okay, here's the thing. If you can get to a goal in which you can create consciously, then you begin to evolve your entire system so that it can begin to create worlds and now you begin to seed other worlds um, in places, maybe create, help create forces that will bring together planetary systems that will support some form of life. And um, the system of life is not well understood by the huge majority of people, but we have to, um, I think, begin to look at those kinds of questions you know, the the great gift of life is life. <laughs> so in order to enjoy that, what you want to do is use that power, that living power, to create other forms of life that then evolve through all these stages and go back to source and then start again. It's just this system of life. It's an amazing, I mean, that's another whole conversation the the life system it is a, and it's a great it's a great note to end
1: on penny cuz that will be our next show with you so, okay <laughs> let's talk about these systems of light because i years ago i did have a a 3 hour vision actually uh, of this whole process it was many years ago when i was in my 30s but i was shown that eventually you become a father they they called it a father son just for language purposes but excellent, that's yeah. what it was now you were a source of creation and a source of light that could create worlds and make planets that's and right. be a creator in that capacity, so it is something i I do want to discuss further for people because you know we've also, as you know been given the lecture by source about our mediocrity, <laughs> and uh what we've been what we've been using our beautiful consciousness to create is, uh, you know, it calls it mediocrity and the damages that have resulted from that. So it's another wonderful conversation to uh, leave you with today. And, of course, you've been absolutely magnificent. And every time I talk to you, Penny, I just look at Ahana and say, okay, when are we going to Michigan? (laughs) (laughs) Come on up.
0: (laughs) We will oh. probably
1: we're going to have this conversation again when we hang up. So. Oh, actually, I'm thinking okay. of coming to San Diego. So, yeah, that's great. Yeah. So here's, I'm
0: going
1: gonna, I'm gonna to say goodbye. Ahana was going to tie us up. we loved love to have you on. We'll talk to you through email. Thanks so much. Okay, thank you. Thank you.
2: Yeah, stay with us just for a, a few more moments, Penny, as I just okay. do a little summary of what we discussed today as is traditional i like to do a little uh, wind up now i was really really wondering how you were going to tie together the what seemed like such diverse subjects as dreams and jesus but you've really done a marvelous job we spoke about how consciousness is the feeling aspect of energy and how energy is consciousness in motion and how that consciousness continues to create while we sleep you spoke eloquently about the language of energy and how our lives are the reflection of that consciousness that created it. We delved a little bit into sexual dreams and we had fun with that and you spoke also about our eating habits and the eating of meat and so on and about how our biology is the result of our energetic bodies. And then we changed course and spoke about The existence or non-existence of Jesus about that whole business of Pope Leo X statement that the fable of Jesus Christ has been very profitable for the church. And then we talked a little bit about the sun and the sun worship and sun cults and that kind of thing. The collapse of Christianity in our own experience and that that was a very interesting statement that you made that everybody's everybody's understanding of what's going on uh, we're creating that and the collapse of Christianity is one example of it you then spoke about moving from creating crap to creating the wonder and joy and happiness of this new life of love and wisdom about moving out of the old paradigm into the new energy Of consciously creating and being wisdoms uh, being actually beings of wisdom and nurturing that ability to create consciously and then we just finished in the last few minutes there speaking about what that future is what's left after you take away those prepackaged ideas of spirituality and we are left with these systems of light now I think all that's absolutely wonderful do give out your contact details penny
3: Okay, um, you can contact me at penny at com. No extra ease. just P-E-N-N-Y at dot com. And you can also go to my website, and that's www.pennykelly.com.
2: Super. All right, now we have to say goodbye there, Penny. We will talk to you again soon. You are an absolute blessing to us and to all our listeners. Remember that tomorrow morning our free group Akashic Records are online and you can get more information on on worldofempowerment.com. That's all one word. Next week we have Janice Barcello who will be talking to us about the Anastasia books. And if you'd like to come on the show and discuss your passion or your spiritual business, angelrose.com. Until next Sunday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, we send you our love blessings. And thank you for listening to Ahanu and Angel Rose on the Honest to God series.
0: Bye-bye, everybody. Blessed week. This is the Art of Living Well Radio Network. Radio to inspire enlightened living. Honest to God series with Ann Gale Rose and Ahanu